The following episode is brought to you by Poison City Brewing, proud makers of Durban Poison Cannabis Lager, the beer that invites you to live your poison. I don't yeah. know if you guys want to start like jumping into this and then getting into the yeah. the, the, the core concept here. So, you know, I wanted to just talk about like the roots and just fun memories of the scene and things that you guys have experienced. Yes, each of myself. Being around now. <laughs> so I think this, this maybe, uh, I think I'll start first. So I'm Byron. I've been part of the middle scene since about I'm an alcoholic. I went on. I've been part of the middle scene since about 2005. That was, about, that was my my first middle gig I ever I ever went to was um, 16 Stitch, The Narrow, and Red House at the Varsity. The Varsity had a beer fest, and that was the first watch that I ever saw. And that was the first time I actually actually met Matt. Met Matt that time. <laughs> Alrighty. I think yeah, that I remember when they still had shows at the at the varsity. Sure, yeah, that yeah. was long ago. Yeah, like I said, two thousand and five, dude. That's like I just had to stretch my brain, it was like what the fuck? Is that in Durban, hey? This was a, this was actually in Marisburg. So was it s- in Marisburg. Oh right. So there's more than one venue in Marisburg. Believe it or not, there were three. No, that, the, that, that was Marisburg. what he's talking about. The the actual varsity, the yeah. like the actual varsity. university. Yeah, yeah. Connection. They at at one stage they had uh, like massive like high budget shows there, you know, like proper hired sound and marquees and and all sorts. It was actually quite rad, you know. Oh, that's sick. When you think of Peter Marysburg, like I don't personally think of like massive gigs dude it's so like on the side like i only ever think about like red door or something and i think matt you yeah. mentioned that you, you like mm. be a day there or something red red door is one of the best venues in the country like back in the day it, it was the perfect the perfect mix of you know you get some places that are like really awesome they've got a hectic budgets you know you can see they've, they've spent a lot of money but uh red door had the right amount of underground but, you know, with the right amount of gear, you know what I mean? So you could have a jaw there without, I don't know, feeling out of place. I don't know. It just was so special, man. Um, yeah, I miss that place so much. Uh, I miss Red Door so much. Yeah, it was, it was underground, but not too, but too dodge. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Like, like some places, like rumors when it was by Cresta, like had such amazing shit like there, like really awesome desk and sound and, and all that it was a really awesome place, you know, but oh, I don't know, like, it's just, it's metal. You need to have a little bit of, like, grit in it. You know what I mean? That's the way I think. No, for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, no doubts. I think, I think Byron actually transitioned us perfectly to, to Matt. Um, I think, yeah, bro, just before we jump to, to venues and stuff, um, yeah, we can move on, Matt. Uh, just let the people know who you are. And then you could probably move on to, to, to Brian and then Dane. Sweet. Yeah, so I've been listening to metal for like pretty much my life. Didn't know what I wanted to do with life, so I was like, okay, cool, I like metal, so I'll I'll be I'll learn to be a sound engineer. So I went to to varsity to become a sound engineer. Met fellow metalheads, joined bands, and yeah, now 
I don't know, 20 odd years later, I'm still going to gigs, still doing sound at gigging. Yeah, so it's, it's I don't know, it's my life, though. Um, seen a lot of bands come and go and venues come and go and and all that. So, yeah, a lot of history to talk about. Sure. You can even talk about pre-94, pre-94 gigs. That's how long, how long about it's been. You're not that you're not that much younger than me, bro. <laughs> uh, Brian, Brian, dude, let the people know who you are, man. Cool. Uh, so yeah, I was. Uh, I guess I was. Uh, I was a face in the gallows front man for ten years, between two thousand and nine, two thousand seven, two thousand seven to two thousand and eighteen. So just over ten years. Um, I even got a dolphin on my. Above my knee tattooed, it's a dolphin with sunglasses and it's got like a gold chain hanging on it, the word 10. Um, Ray and Chase got those matching tattoos to represent 10 years in the band together. So that was awesome because I really wanted to get one of those forever. Um, yeah, so I did that for 10 years, stopped doing that because my, my, basically my voice fucked out, my throat fucked out, I was in hospital and shit and uh, yeah, I needed vocal rest and yeah, I just struggled to kind of get back into it after that. You know, I still love metal, I still love music, um, you know, I'm just just struggling to get back into actually writing and actually just trying to, st- I had a few projects in the mix after that, but nothing really picked up. Um, yeah. And I was basically involved in the metal scene uh, in South Africa since like 2005, I think you could say as well, around at the same time as Byron said, but I was going to gigs even before that. So I think the first gig I went to, I was f- 15 or 14 and I went to Roxy's and I watched uh Pestroy, 16 Stitch and Oddball. And, uh, yeah, the Oddball show blew my fucking head off. Like, they were, like, heavy as fuck. And I was just, like, I've never seen metal like that in this country. It was this noise. It was chaos. And I was just, like, yeah, I, I, want, like, I want that. I want to start a band like that. Um, met Shane. I was 14, 15 years old. And uh, he bought shots for me and my father the entire night just because we were, like, yeah, we love Peshoy. And uh, we got hammered of shots and I ended up having to drive me and my father home without a license at age 15 <laughs> for Marvel. So yeah, and it all started from there and that was all downhill. Yeah, that's basically it. That's my story. So has your dad been joining with you all this time, like since then? Every time. He's, yeah, he's basically the biggest Face in the Gallows fan ever. He was at literally 80% of the shows. Um, he came with that's me so to Barkin. Uh, we got to watch them together at Vakken. It was a strange experience, you know, watching the band I grew up growing with and and doing for 10 years, you know, watching them perform in, like, the biggest festival in the world. <laughs> but that was an epic moment. And he was there as well, and he's been to all the other shows, and, uh, you know, it's just crazy. I mean, Gallows even have a shirt, like a vest with his face on it. Like, the whole shirt is just my dad, because, like, he's just crazy metalhead, metal fan, yeah. So cool, though. Super cool. You're also forgetting that you were also Ali Sykes' body double at one stage. Exactly. Well, he was mine, you know. He used to go into the the hairdresser and be like, I want to look like this guy. And, uh, yeah. I know. You'll never grow a cool beard, though. You'll never, so fuck him. (laughs) I remember watching watching Fares in the Gallows when it was... It was Gallows, Pestra, and 16 Stitch. I think it was actually 16 Stitch's last, last. Uh, it was show. one of their last. You talking about the show, the Red Door? Yeah, yeah. 
There was the one at the red door and the, and the one at Burn as well. The ne- I think it was Burn the next yeah. night. That was crazy. I, th- I think it might have been one of the first. It was like one of Six and Six's last shows there. But it was also Gallo's, one of their first shows there. And uh, the kids there were like, they're crazy, crazy, crazy. But like, I don't think they really understood what a breakdown was. It was just like, I don't know if maybe it was like new metal night and like all the new metal kids came out, but like we played breakdowns and it wasn't like they hated it. It's like, it was just like, they didn't know what to do, like how to react to it. Like what's happening here? What is this? <laughs> it's pretty cool. Uh, was stuck it was a bit slow, Marisburg. Uh, Marisburg was stuck in new metal for a very long time. It took, it took a very long time before anybody even heard like uh, Bring Me the Horizon. Literally, guys had different, like, uh, at Red Door, they, they played, like, different music. So, like, when we'd go there, like, a year later, it'd be, like, a new playlist. Like, I mean, Daniel noticed, like, when at Jester's in Port Elizabeth, like, you go there and it was just, like, the same playlist every weekend, Friday and Saturday, for, like, four years. So, we'd go, we'd play Jester's and it'd be, like, here comes the Kraken, Black Dahlia Murder, despise icon and you go there the year later and it's the same playlist and then you go there the year later it's the same playlist without fail best best times it was a good venue actually as well sure that's that place Jess's was awesome actually I did go to Jess's it was a really cool venue they had a little arcade machine in there like one of those old school ones you put like two rand in and like it was like one game and that's it you could just draw that I can't remember oh, what is the game called man it's like a boot fighter type game where you walk and you kind of like it's there's a few of them out. What's that? It's like Streets of Rage or... Yes, like that's the one. Streets of Rage. That's exactly it. <laughs> that was the drawler. It was the best. <laughs> uh, guys, sliding, sliding in there perfectly on that Streets of Rage comment, we got Dane, who's uh, also you know part of the panel tonight. And yeah, bro, let the people know who you are. Uh, yeah, okay, well, I'm Dan, um, I've been in the scene, uh, pretty much since, what, like, um, I've been in, like, multiple bands over the years, uh, I was a vocalist for Betray the Emissary for a while, I played drums for a band called The Broken Result, uh, then I started playing drums for a band called Megalodon, which I'm still in now, um, mm currently still play drums for a band called Last One Alive, and then the most recent one is a band called Dream Demon. Um, yeah, uh, just in terms of, like, music. Um, I started playing music with the, the whole mentality of, like, let's start a band. Uh, like, we were, like, it was a few of us that were all into, like, metal and whatever, and we were just like, yeah, let's start a band. And by default, I was like, okay, cool, I'll play drums. It wasn't specifically like I wanted to play drums like because, oh, no, I want to play drums or anything. It was just kind of like by process of elimination. It's like, okay, cool, you'll play drums. And cool, that's just essentially how it happened. And then out of all of those guys, I'm the only one that's still playing music at the moment. So I I think it also kind of speaks to how much music means to me. Um, And then, yeah, like my first show that I ever went to was uh, at Edgemead High School uh, watching... Nashama, and I think it was Aftertaste. Um, I think there was a third and a fourth band, but specifically, uh, I remember Nashama. Um, and yeah, I mean, that whole scene at that point, like it was, I think that's probably like one of the most active times that I've ever seen, like in Cape Town specifically with bands. Um, that's kind of what drew me into it. So, so yeah. 
my first uh, live band that I saw like locally, I think was in like 2000. It was, it was actually a, a Christian metal band um, called Two Fly. Like they were, they were actually super, super rad. And uh, I remember I went, I went to the show and I was like moshing my head off. And then it was at this like Christian event and I was the only guy like marching to this band. <laughs> and then like, uh, it was so weird because like I was marching to this, this like Christian metal band, but there was all these Christians around there, but like no one was into, like they loved the band because they were a Christian band, but no one was joining in. And then, then afterwards they did like a service and then, then everyone like started like doing their thing. And then, then I was like, okay, cool. I'm done with this shit. I'm fucking off. <laughs> that, that was like in 2000, I think. True. <laughs> sure. Nothing against Christian people. Just like, it just, you know, like it was a, it was a metal, awesome metal band. And then I was like throwing down and then it was just weird. Like, I'm like, I'm enjoying this, you know, come enjoy it with me. Yeah, there were there was this deal I did like I with 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 all of you guys like for for me this is sort of like a, a learning experience because I'm not really that experienced when it comes to metal and stuff like my first show is something that I saw I think that time when when Ramfest was still a thing in Durban and it was the year when Bring Me the Horizon came down Rise Against oh. came down. Uh, Boy was on the lineup as well. Fucking love them. They were the first stunning South African band that I that I saw play, and I was just mind fucked. Like I was like kind of bummed when when they sort of split up. So it's really just a privilege for me as well to to be in the presence of people who have been doing this for a very long time. And just want to thank you guys for for coming through to the show. Really looking forward to to where we can take this conversation. Yeah, that's true. That was the show that was at Burn. I mean, not burn at the skate park. It was at the skate park, wasn't it? Gateway. 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 That was easy. My favorite gig that I've ever been to. Sorry, guys. Sorry, we're just trying to get my yeah, phone like, to charge. No, no, it's all good. Like I, I, I remember like the first time, like when when Bring Me the Horizon played, um, they did like a wall of death, and at that time I was like, what the fuck? Because I was like, <laughs> what the fuck is happening? <laughs> like, what the fuck is this shit? But it was beautiful enjoyed it that's when i fell in love with this, this thing you know so it's fuck it's it's dope <laughs> but you also have to remember what the ali didn't ali didn't give clear instructions when he when he did that one movement i'll show you guys right now as soon as i'm actually get, able to get my camera back on but he used to do a move but he did like this thing with his hands where he was signaling that you need to do there needs to be a wall of death they would so he would do this thing with these with these hands sort of like that and that was signaled to be to do a wall of death. But then, like nobody in Durban knew what the hell was going on because, like, we had not seen anything like that. <laughs> yeah, this was uh, pre-uncapped days. Yep. So yeah, it was a uh, that that was easy. That, that, in my opinion, was was my favorite game that I've ever been to. Like, Bring Me the Horizon. Like that was a mental, mental game. Yeah, you know, no. I, I, like. When I, I think I think for for with what you guys were were talking about earlier when you came on in terms of of venues, you guys mentioned Red Door a lot. You mentioned uh, Burn a lot. Burn is one that keeps coming up, you know, even like here, especially here in Durban, when it comes to you know the history of of metal and everything that used to happen there. 
And I take it that, you know, the majority of you guys in here have either been to Bern or performed there. Um, so what would you guys say, starting on a positive note, what would you guys say, you know, made Bern, you know, as good as it was? Because for someone like myself, you know, but when when we sort of were introduced to the scene, it was Burn was it didn't, no longer existed and stuff. So what was it that mm. made Burn so good? Like even you know performing there and all of that. Anyone can take this. Brian, I'm interested in hearing what you yeah. which, which your one thing I really loved about Burn was there was like this the, like you go like it was like three levels and like the second level would be like where the band's played and then there was a top level on the roof where everyone would chill. And you'd like, we'd like come from Joburg and, you know, everyone would be at the top, all the locals are hanging out there. We'll be sitting up here and like no one's by the band section. And we were just like, okay, well, are we going to play to no one? Is no one going to come down here? And I remember they had like a monitor, like a screen on the, on the, like the top floor on the balcony where everyone would sit and you could see like the band setting up and stuff like that. So there was like a camera by the band stage and then it was like obviously projected into the screen, whatever at the top there. And every single time a band played, it doesn't matter who, which band it was. It was literally like everyone that was on the top would literally stop what they're doing and they'd come down and they'd watch the bands. And that was great. I thought that was great for like the community and stuff like that. And all the supporters and stuff like that, because like they would just stop what they're doing and they go watch the bands. Whereas in Joburg, a lot of the time, like, you know, there was like an outside section where people could drink and smoke and chill, whatever. And bands paid like half the people wouldn't give a shit. They would just be there, you know, just to get fucked up. And they wouldn't really care about the bands and stuff like that, which sucked. Um, but I really liked that part about Burn, where how everybody was a community there, and like they were all there to watch the music and watch the bands. So that was great. I love that. I think that was early days of 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 that venue. Yeah, but <laughs> it was because uh, there were yeah, two. There were two. Eh? It moved. Hey, there were two. There were two variants of yeah. Burn. I don't think we ever played the first one. I think that was the second. Yeah, that, second. That oh, was the second yeah. one. And as awesome as it was having the two the two levels, you know, exactly what you're saying is that guys would just be chilling outside and then, you know, they'd be like, ah, you know, it's too much of an effort to go downstairs. You know, it's it's cool yeah. out here outside in the in the cool air and all that. And that's eventually that trend, uh, you know, took over, you know, like like you're saying. Yeah. In but yeah, uh, yeah, to, to go with regards to the history of Bern, um, so Jamie, who owned the Red Door in Maritzburg, he was the original owner of Burn. He had a place called Jamie's, uh, which was like back in the, like probably the, I don't know the early nineties. He had a place called Jamie's, and then and Jamie's it burnt down. burnt down. It burned down, and then sure. they reopened it. That, yeah. yeah, reopened it. Uh, couple, like whatever time passed, reopened it as Burn, and then that's you know basically how they got the name. That 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 venue was um, basically where. Um, well, half of it is the engine room of where uh, where's Winston? What's what's the jewel upstairs Origin. called? Origin. Origin. Yeah, yeah. So that's where Burn was. Was um, half of Origin was 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 Burn. You know, plus there's a warehouse in the back there. So that was the original Burn, and then oh, it was so awesome back in the day. And then it moved to the second venue, which at first it was really rad. I mean, it was nice and big and all that, but then, you know, as time went on, you know, people couldn't uh, sustain it, you know? So, but I mean, it, it did have a good run. I mean, it was, it went on for, I don't know, 15, 16 years. Mm, mm, uh, I never went to the, to the first 
Uh, do you have any fond uh, fond memories uh, of Burn uh, Byron yeah. Nguyen? Yeah, yeah, it was my first gig. My first gig I went uh, went to uh, played at Burn, and also yeah. I watched uh, I also watched uh, Inspiram live. And uh, like you, what was cool about uh, where about uh, how Burn was, especially with the setup, is you were literally like were in touching distance of the band. So like we, so I watched like an international band, and I could literally like touch the 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 singer's guitar it was like it was that close. It was, it was, it was really a really nice size stage. I wish they'd moved it though. I wish it wasn't like the long ways. I wish it had it like the other side because that pole, <laughs> because that pillar, that pillar just fucked you up so badly. There's like Dude, a like... pillar in the middle of the dance floor. Like yeah, hearing you guys uh, reminisce about old venues and and stuff like that. What what would you guys say? Like in your personal opinions, is the venue that you guys miss the most? Uh, like as each individual person, a venue that you've played that you've always just loved that's no longer there. I think it's like it's it's kind of twofold for me. Um, I think it just depends. But um, I think one at the moment would be Mercury because it got to a point where where when I started. Uh, playing at Mercury and seeing bands at Mercury, it was like the venue itself was on a pedestal for me. It was like that was kind of like the pinnacle of of what a venue should be like in Cape Town, you know. Um, and then I think over the years, uh, I kind of, you know, I took it for granted. I, I won't lie, you know. And it would get to the point where when we we're having discussions, um, you know, like with band friends and stuff, it's like, oh, where's the gig? Oh, guess where the gig is, kind of thing, you know. So like. You know, and I I feel super shit for that because like it was actually a super rad venue, and whenever I played there, like the sound was amazing. Um, so yeah, Mercury's at the top of the list, and then the second one, but more. I never played it, but it was my favorite venue to go watch international bands. Uh, was Assembly? Um, I know that Assembly now. I think they it's like been sold and split into like three different places, but I mean I watched like some of my all-time favorite bands there i watched every time i die there that was like one of the craziest shows i've ever seen i watched august burns red there watched fear factory like yeah it's just there's a lot of really influential bands to me that i watched at assembly and because of that and just like the the vibe and and the sound was always good and it was a massive venue yeah it was just always a good time man yeah i went to uh assembly and um mercury in cape town yeah i, lo- I loved them both though did you ever play raw? these are obviously um, much more recent though yeah yeah i played raw like a lot but the thing is like with with gandalf and raw like i definitely like i was pretty sad when when they closed but there were so many iterations of i don't know like of places owned by antonio that I, I pretty much experienced them all from when I was a teen. Uh, he had one ring, which was just up the road in the same road. And then he had Mordor, which was upstairs, which was what Raw was previously. And then he had Gandalf downstairs. Gandalf was the only one that didn't change. It stayed the same. Um, then one ring closed. Then Mordor upstairs became Raw. Then the place next door became Gotham. Then Gotham became Mordor. Then Mordor closed, and then it was just Raw and Gandalf's. And I think I've played Raw more than any venue in Cape Town. We'll be right back. You still loading them and heating them up with all your single shit you've been dropping. You feel me? Loading them up on. It only takes structure. 
and, and you know, just paying attention to the climate of the game. Yeah. Know what I mean? So do do your homies uh got a role in your in your little you mean? Yeah, yeah. We all we all artists over here, man. I'm trying to get them on there. Yeah. 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 We all artists, man. We go you feel me? We gonna have this like Bro, me and my man, like me and my man Kai, we be like, I don't know, we play, we play with this <laughs> shit. Right now. With this I gotta lie, we play with this shit right now for real. For oh, I gotta lie, play don't it, play with it. No. Take that shit serious. Dude, that explanation was almost like a cons- like I needed a conspiracy theory board to just pin everything together <laughs> and make a flowchart. Like, good god, what? <laughs> like, Need a, a family tree. Like, yeah. <laughs> From it's always sunny, and he's standing there in front of the board with like the different yeah. things. Yeah, dude, crazy. it was fucking crazy. Uh, my my earliest uh, memory of Gandalf was, uh, geez, this was probably about two thousand and three, two thousand two. I don't know. Uh, I I went to Cape Town like on a holiday, and like I went there with a friend on like a I don't know like a Wednesday or a Thursday or something. It was free entrance and it was free beer. I arrived there, I had no money. You know what I mean? Just because like, I was young and stupid. And then, yeah, then like people would come up to me like, you know, you don't have a beer in your hand. There you go. And I'm like, no, like, who the fuck are you, bro? Like, and they're like, no, it's free beer tonight. And I'm like, sweet. So that, that was my earliest memory of, of Gandalf. And so it's a positive one. <laughs> yeah, they always had some cut with this video. Bro, like... And I think at the beginning, or at least like round about the time, like I also started going there when I was like 14 or 15, but I had a specific agreement with the owner that I wouldn't drink um, just as long as we got to play the shows, you know, like, because I mean, yeah, they were still very strict about IDs and everything back then. Um, But yeah, like going up through those years and then I finished high school and then that gap year, the gap year that I took between, yeah, like ending high school and then like whatever, that year I went there probably geez dude, almost every single night of the week every single week because I had a friend that would literally just party there all the time to the point where like at one o'clock two o'clock I'd be like, hey bro, like I want to go home and he's like, no, and we'd literally be there till like hoppers five in the morning, so that kind of added to me getting over the venue, but it wasn't so much about bands and stuff. It was just like that kind of experience. But, but I never took a, I never took for granted that whenever we played at Raw or Gandalf's, the sound was incredible. Um, Antonio was always such a rad dude. Um, yeah, like yeah, Gandalf's. I probably like most of my teen years going into my like twenties. Like I spent most of the time there. I think. We didn't actually talk about the the, the the two versions of Red Door as well. Yeah. Uh, well, so, well, there's three technically because uh, Red Door initially opened up as Burn Peter Marisburg. And because Jamie had yes. sold Burn, yes, it sold that. Burn uh, to Dave Campbell and it opened up as, as Burn PMB. And I remember the opening nights like they hired a bus and like all the burn regulars from Peter Mar- from Durban came up to Peter Marisburg and, and Joel on, I think it was like a Wednesday. It was like, it was like hectic. I mean, the, the scene was so like was thriving so much back then. And then from what I understand, I mean, I don't hold me to this, but I, I think uh, 
you know, he had to pay like a, because he had sold the rights to the name. He, you know, he had to pay like a royalty or something like that. So eventually he was like, no, nah, he's just going to rename it. And then renamed it as Red Door. And then that was at the, the original venue, which was still cool. It was um, a decent size. Um, and then, yeah, then it moved, uh, what, two Ks down the road to, to where this, I don't know, like, it was like this dance club and then they overtook it and oh, but both versions of the red doors was, was awesome. Like for me, that was the, the, the place I missed. I mean, I, I loved uh, burn and Durban, but like, but the red door was, was, you know, and it's heyday was, was the shit. Uh, I missed it so much. Uh, I, tend to, I actually agree with you on that one because the, um, the first club gig I ever went to was actually, was at the red door. I was actually, again, I was, I was watching 16th pitch. And that was the first time, they were, like, that crowd was so amazing. Like, literally the entire dance floor was just moving around with the mosh pits. It was like, it was, it was the craziest thing that you've ever seen in your life. It was like, just this crowd, just this swarm of people just, like, moving around like that. Yeah, no, I miss it. It was such a rad place. Uh, Brian, on your side, bro, are there any venues that you miss, you know, from back in the day? Yeah, venues that I miss. Tempos. Tempos, yeah, that's 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 one. I don't know if any of you guys ever went to Tempos or played Tempos. I went to Tempos. It was really cool. That was a cool one. I mean, that was quite that was quite a large venue. There was like three different like parts to it. Like you'd walk in and there'd be a stage already there, and there were like these little steps to the stage. Uh, I staged like once off there, and I fell and like fucked up my back and. Paul from Dean Crescent had to click my back back into place just so I could walk. Then if you carry on going further, there was another like a biker stage where it had like this, the the, the um, stage was quite high. Um, like yesterday played there once. Uh, it was like crazy. And like uh, we played Thornfest there. Like before it was like a fest where like you could actually stay over. We played there and uh, this kid Lorcan from the East Rand, he stage dived directly into a fan and she slipped a disc in her back and we had to stop the show and get an ambulance. That was hardcore. Um, and then if you carried on even further down there, then there was like a thatch area and they used to like every Sundays they'd have like trance parties there and stuff like that. So it was like a super sick venue because like it had it all, you know, it had like the small stage, the big stage, the club stage and like just a whole mix of different people and it like it ran throughout the week and it was just, it was super, super sick. Um, we still like when Gallows first started, uh, they had a guitar giveaway and uh, Chase at the time, he didn't have like a really good guitar. So we all like entered when we got there and we we're just like, if anyone wins a guitar, we're going to give it to Chase. And we actually ended up winning it. Um, so Chase got a guitar and he, I think he still has the guitar actually. It's a Jackson. Um, and yeah, we wrote a lot of like our first musical for that guitar. So it was super, super rad. Just thinking that's, that venue kind of gave birth to what Gallows became kind of in a way. And then another venue was uh, Olive Lounge. It was in Olivedale. It was like a small dingy ass like club bar type vibe, whatever. But like it was super rad because like everyone would party there on like a Thursday evening, Friday, Saturday. And uh, they weren't too strict on IDs and stuff like that. So like a lot of kids would like go there and, basically car bar was just like another level there. Like, you know, like I think half the time people were in the car park and in the actual venue and like, and we just get hammered and like, it was great fun. And they used to do shows and stuff like that, but they didn't have a, like an entertainment license. So 
half the time and the shows would get shut down by cops. And then, uh, yeah, the one time I remember the cops came and like they raided the entire show, like Pepper Spread Oak, shut everything down. They shut the power down like three times and we kept turning it back on to play. And uh, Ricky saw pulled one of the cops up, puss on the microphone. It was, yeah, it was pretty epic. <laughs> yeah, fun times. Good memories. Those are those are two venues that I yeah, really, really, really miss, man. Dude, I actually, I think I met you at Tempos, dude, because that was, we played that Hammer the Masses show, dude. And that was, that was, and I think that was one of the last shows that they had at Tempos, because I remember playing it and being like, this is such a fucking rad venue. And then everyone I speak to is like, yeah, too pity, too much of it is like closing and stuff. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, how can it close? It's such a rad vibe. Like, yeah, no, that was that the first time we met. Was it not the time when we came to came down to Cape Town and then that Thursday night we went to Gandalf's and we picked you up? And we, no, uh, that was that was after that. I remember that. That fucking right. Evans place where you, you <laughs> breathe. You just wouldn't shut up and I couldn't breathe. Like, yo, nah, dude, I've never laughed so hard in my fucking life. It was it was good fun that time. I think you broke a broke a glass from laughing too much. It was it was good fun, man. Good fun. <laughs> you know, Brian, dude, the way that you you just explained that it's it's you know it, it gives me a sense that shows were just so epic back in the day. Would you guys say yeah. that there were any differences at all? You know, you know, from looking back from when you guys were sort of introduced to the scene uh, to how it is now in 2020, and what sort of differences would you say there are? I think for this one, we can start with uh, you, uh, Byron. Uh, I think, unfortunately, the one of the big bad things is um, there are less venues, so that's uh, that is a that is a bit of a sad state. But I think also just the the crowds just seem a little bit. Uh, of, I think from the last uh, um, the first time that, I, that like, some of the first shows that I ever went to, like it was always just crazy mosh pits, like especially um, like in Marisburg and and like it was. Uh, so many bands used to like love you love coming there and i remember chatting to the i think it was the guitar player from 16 stitch as well he was like oh this place is like the it was like our favorite venue to play and like you know we always have such a good time and i think just like the crowds just started to get stiffer and stiffer along the years at least at least like in terms of like going to gigs like it would be a little bit tougher to just like start mosh pits and stuff like that which i suppose everybody gets a little bit older so Washing kind of leaves leaves a few bruises and, uh, and stiffness the next day. <laughs> Whenever there are gigs, it, it does seem like there's a bit like there's still like a bit of a camaraderie between the between all the different uh, metalheads that you meet, and that's still cool too to see. Like, and there's like a lot of like old time friends that that, that you see like you like think to yourself like these are this dude for like about 10, 12 years like from from back then so which so there's like a lot of like that kind of camaraderie that still does happen mm. uh dane would you would you sort of do you share the same sentiments as as byron and that it used to be a lot more pumping than it is now are there any positives maybe or you know what's your take on it like based on the like yeah on any discussions that i've had with anyone and like you know previous discussions and whatever like yeah it's in, it constantly goes through a life death and rebirth cycle and I think that back in the day when I started uh, getting involved in the scene, like there was so many, there was so much variety 
that th that's almost that it's like, almost the reason why the scene was so big it's because you had like ska bands and punk bands playing with death metal bands and new metal bands and you know so like all of these different kind of uh i don't know what like genres of like alternative and like heavy music like they would all play together and because people would just rock up for the shows and they would just watch you every time of time that almost guaranteed you like a massive crowd you know at least in Cape Town that's how it was and then it got to a point where things started like segregating so you know like it got to a point where people who specifically wanted death metal they would organize like death metal only shows and then punk shows only and so you know bands that were relatable um would play with each other but you wouldn't have such a massive like diversity in, in terms of the different genres so I think that when that happened, there were a lot less people coming to shows. Um, and then, I don't know, like a, a few years after that happened, then the scene started growing because even though like those themes are like kind of like within themselves, the, the scene of people will eventually grow and then the cycle will change where people will get older, leave the scene, new people come in, that kind of stuff. Um, but there were also a lot of underage shows, and uh, yeah, I think that was a big thing that used to happen previously that doesn't happen now, which probably, I mean, if they had to start that now, would be amazing. But yeah, it's not, you know, like, like I said, like each scene or each period goes through a cycle. So um, yeah, I think at this point, like COVID's done like a number on, on where, wherever the certain scenes were. Um, but, um, but yeah, man, I also think there's not enough people that are pushing to have, uh, I, I suppose, like the younger generation come to the come to shows, you know, like previously, like people would go to schools with like flyers or they would like advertise on social media and stuff. Whereas like nowadays, the advertising social media, like printing flyers, like dead, dead medium. So people don't do it. They don't waste money, like unless it's like big posters or like venues that are over 18 you know um so i think that's yeah that's one way that we could get the scene back to its former glory is start you know like marketing to like a younger crowd and getting them involved because they're essentially the next generation that needs to roll on to the next so. yeah it makes a lot of sense dude uh, matt are there any you know positives on your side in terms of how the scene used to be compared to now or is it sort of the this, this like similar thoughts to to and uh, byron yeah, there definitely was that that variety back back then. I mean, when when I first started performing, there used to be like punk versus metal shows, you know, where there would be, you know, like say four bands and it would be uh, or six bands, it would be like three punk bands and and three metal bands, and they would alternate, and, and it would be rad, you know, like so like the different genres weren't uh, weren't an issue back then. As it started pumping more and more. Then, like Dane said, they started having more and more sort of segregated shows where they're more, you know, genre specific. It was really good at the time, but uh, you know, then you know, you you kind of keeping those core people within that, you know, within that genre, and you're not actually growing it. Over time, you know, it did sort of change. Like, obviously, I like heavy music, but I, you know, I don't exactly want to listen to like the most brutal shit all day, every day. You know, it's it's nice to have that dynamic. I think you know, so that that's what something's like that changed over the years. But um, 
Yeah, but the main thing was just there was just so much, so many more people. You know, that that's why there were so many venues because there there were so many people and you could sustain it, and then you you couldn't. You know, and there were so many people back then that we didn't even know that that back then the sound was good or bad or whatever. It was just like you know, fuck yeah, there's a there's a band and they're awesome. You know, and then like thinking to like the technology and the experience that we've got now, like all all that stuff back then was probably crap. I mean, like I remember playing playing shows. We didn't know what the fuck monitors were. We didn't have monitors. You know, there's no like, oh, these guys have got uh, this hectic DBX crossover. And, you know, there was none of that shit. There was no digital mixes and all that. It was just, we just played our shit and it was awesome. And, um, but there was just so many people and the, the vibe was there. You know, now it's like everything is... Uh, technology has grown but there's not as many people so it's like more people are critical of of certain things i don't know it's uh it was was good times i mean it's it's really awesome now that we've got all these advances but uh yeah i wish we still had those people that we we had back then i always felt like Um, i joined the the metal community like quite late because i only got involved in music in about 2014 i mean it was when i started playing my, my 2013 2014 was when i'd started performing and getting introduced to the music scene previously not knowing it was there at all what would you guys say to someone getting involved in the community now yeah i think uh i'd tell them that they need to be prepared to sacrifice a lot uh so it, it basically it all depends where you are in your life you know if you if you want to start becoming a muser or getting involved in the scene you know that's something I've learned over the last 10 years doing what I was doing, you know, it's just the sacrifices that come with it, you know, the, the, the money you have to put into it yourself because you're not making money out of it, you know? So especially if you, like I was a vocalist, so like, uh, okay, cool. I invested into some gear, but uh, you know, not as much as obviously say a drummer would or a bassist or a guitarist would. Um, you know, so you have to invest a lot of your money and your time, you know, if you're married or you have uh other commitments like work commitments you know a lot of that stuff takes the background sometimes so that you can focus on your dream your passion which is music um and sometimes you know you have to you have to weigh it up you know which is more important so it's it's a very it's a, it's a mental battle you know i think for me personally i went through it you know it's one of the main reasons why i ended up leaving facing the gallows because that mental struggle it's it's sometimes it's a very difficult and everyone's different you know some people might struggle financially or some people might struggle mentally you know or something of the sort so it's 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 very taxating you know on your health and your financial health and all that kind of stuff so i guess the advice i give to people is if they want to get into this you know you have to be prepared you have to be prepared to basically bite the bullets and you know and sacrifice a lot that's that's just what i've taken from it from my side yeah, and I'm very interested also, like in in Dane, your your perspective as well. You know, being in Megalodon and and the success that you enjoyed as well. Would you say you know something similar to what uh, Brian said in terms of it's a lot of sacrifices? Yeah, so I think like it would be it would be to two different audiences. Like that, I would give advice the people that are supporting the scene. The advice that I would give them if they're coming in is support the local bands. Like. Obviously, like, I, like, I'm not an elitist in any way, but I call a spade a spade, right? So if you're going to support the band, right, support the bands that you enjoy, but actually support them. So buy their merch because, and, you know, like, do whatever you need to to support them because as a band, 
like most bands, try to be self-sufficient and like that, well, that helps them to kind of keep the band going with funds that are made purely they don't actually have to put in their own money, you know? So that's the one thing I would say from, a, from people supporting the scene. When it comes to people that are in bands, my biggest advice would be, yes, like definitely like uh, you need to be aware that sacrifices need to be made. But further than that, something that comes down to like, like a basic foundation level is be open to feedback. If people are going to tell you that your music is like shit, if they're, like, if they're just being a dick about it and they're like, yo, your music shit or whatever, then actually like, don't take it personally. Don't be like, I'd go up to them and ask them why it is shit. And like, obviously like there are certain things that if you have an artistic vision and that is literally what you're trying to get across, if you do not want to compromise on that, then by all means, carry on doing what you're doing. That other person doesn't know what they're talking about because they don't have the same vision that you do. However, if that person, if they have like experience in the scene and they might, they might see what you're trying to do, but don't know how to bring it across to you that this is what you need to do to do that, then take the time to actually think about that. That person actually made the effort to come and tell me that. Let me go to them and ask them specifically what it is. If it's something that you can that you can change or that you can compromise on in terms of like the vision of the band from your side, then 100%, it'll more than likely make you a way better and tighter band in the long run. If not, then, then push forward with whatever you have. But always just be open to that feedback. And then it's up to you as to whether or not you want to compromise. I think that's, that's very, pretty very rad. important. Like I, I like that you had two different perspectives there from supporters and from from the bands themselves or the artists. That's it's a really good thing to and have. Bands must there. support bands. Yeah. Yes. No. Most definitely. You know the one thing the one thing I have noticed you know from what Matt just said is that you know I, I do feel like bands sort of are supporting bands because you'll find like at a normal night at the Winston you'll find that or you'll often find that the people who are generally, you know, at the venue watching the other bands or the band that just got off the stage or the band that's going to be playing in the lineup and stuff. And I think this would sort of go hand in hand with what Byron was saying earlier in that it just less and less people started coming to the shows. You know, would you guys sort of, you know, attribute that to something? You know, what would you guys say? Um, would have sparked or caused, you know, the you know the venues and attendance sort of, you know, getting less and less. Um, who haven't you heard from in a while? Uh, Brian. Upset for me, for me in Joburg, I think that was the declining factor. Like, it was, uh, it was like, when was it? It was like, I'm trying to think what year it was like. I don't know. It was like 2000. And, 14, maybe somewhere around there, 15, uh, where dubstep became a big thing, but like in the metal yeah. scene in Pittsburgh, you know, and like, I think a lot of the times, like you'd go to shows and there'd be like, it'd be like half dubstep, half metal, like Pestroid used to delve a lot into, they used to play a lot of shows with like DJs into dubstep and stuff like that. And it was really cool because everyone, like even metal people started to enjoy dubstep and but it segregated the people a little bit too much so that eventually, you know, people would stop coming to metal shows and then they'd just start going to like drum and bass and dubstep shows or like 
DJ events and uh i'd go myself you know because there there were parties there were rad you know um and i think things just got a little bit too divided then and a lot of more people that would actually come to metal shows stopped going to the metal shows and started to just go to the party vibes like that then it became more of a sense of it was more about the party than the actual music that's something i that that's the turning point for me locally uh, in in kauteng that i picked up on yeah. Very interesting, dude. Like, uh, yeah, what about, you know, okay, before we get to Durban, because we're from here, Dane, on your side, bro, when would you say the decline sort of started and what sort of caused it? We do understand from what Brian said, it was dubstep up in Joburg in, in, in your part of, of SA. What, what would you say sort of caused it and when did it sort of start? So, like I said, like in terms of the whole like life cycle, you get life, death, and rebirth. Um, but if you're talking about, yeah, like currently uh, in the current cycle, yeah, like I would. I would agree with um, with Brian. Like um, at that time, with with drum and bass. However, I think it was slightly delayed in Cape Town. So yeah, there were a lot of metal people that would go to those shows here, like, and uh, they would have a lot of those shows at like the, the what we would consider the metal venues. But I think that yeah, the bands that were playing at that point in time still retained their own fan bases. I think it was maybe about a year or two after that where, yeah, I think that the, the drum bass thing, like it did have its effect here or there, but on the fan base, it didn't really. I think it was when when bands started realizing that, you know, they're all growing up and, you know, they, you know, they need to focus on their careers and they're getting married and those kind of things. And then bands eventually end up breaking up. I think that's also what, well, that's what led to the decline in Cape Town specifically. Um, there were a lot of bands that were breaking up and they were calling it quits like within a, a quick space of time. Um, and like even up until today, obviously COVID hasn't done anyone any favors, but I mean, mm-hmm. during COVID alone, I've, I've seen so many announcements of bands saying that they're calling it quits, you know, and I think COVID was probably just the last straw. Um, even notable bands, yeah. Yeah. And it's it's crazy. It really is crazy. I mean, like, yeah, seeing overseas bands, like international bands, um, calling it quits. Like, I think if international bands are calling it quits, then then you can understand. Like, to see a few local bands calling it quits, like, it's it's not something that's unrealistic, you know. Um, so yeah, that's that's what I think contributed to the decline of people attending shows in Cape Town. Is it the same vibe down here in Durban for Byron um, and Max? I think there's a there's a couple of things that, that sort of address that. Um, one of the things that you have to sort of I think one of the elephants in the room is just the fact that you know, if, you know Durban you if, if you is kind of a it is a, it's the biggest small town in the world, and one of the things that you that's a lot of people just tend to forget is the fact that if you want to like start a start a bit of a career, you do want to you you, you will move to to Joburg or you will move to Cape Town or you know, especially in the South African sense, I mean you you will go overseas and you will sort of pursue this this sort of path. And, you know, you'd find that a lot of fans would like go up to Joburg or they go down to Cape Town. And then sometimes you'll find that like that parts of like bands would actually like disintegrate because one or two of the members like, had moved, and sometimes they'd be like an integral part of the of the band. And also, you know, people growing up, you know, it's, people need to, you know, um, there are families involved, and there are, you know, the there are careers that that uh, need to take preference. 
Yeah, at first I was like, I was like, where are you going with this? And then like, yeah, you actually make a lot of sense there. Yeah, because I know just my, in my one band, my drummer, he he lost his job and ended up moving away to Joburg for, for a while. So, I mean, there was that. And then uh, what Patrick, uh, who we jammed with with the tribute, he ended up, what, he went to Cape Town for a little while. And so, yeah, oh, that, that, that definitely did happen for, for a lot of, no, that's recent. I'm talking back in the day. Didn't he go away for a while? Uh, Mitchell went yeah, down anyway. by Patrick. Uh, yeah, okay. Um, yeah, so there was that. Um, yeah, because the, you get bigger salaries in, in Cape Town and, and Joburg. So, yeah, so there's that. But um, in terms of uh, maybe attendance, rather than bands necessarily breaking up, um, there was that dubstep thing. Yeah, like I remember that, that thing happening at Burn, like, even a red door, they opened up a little second room at the back there and started doing dubstep for a little while. And uh, yeah, Burn was doing the whole dubstep thing for for that fuck. I didn't mind like mind it, but yeah, I don't know. Um, but for me, the, the biggest. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but what's uh, for me the biggest uh, downfall uh, in in terms of like attendance was bands overplaying and venues over you know, overbooking certain bands and oh fuck it. It makes me so mad even to this day. Like, unless you're like a brand new band and you know, you want to get your name out there. Like, you know, you want to get on these little bills with, with some guys, you know, three or four times. Okay, cool. And then, then venture out and, and go get your name out like on the road. But uh, at, at one stage, and I think this is one of the biggest uh, contributors to all, so, so the gist of what I was saying is uh, bands overplaying at a, at a venue and venues overbooking, you know, the same band. And I, I always say to, like, to Lighties or whatever, like, you know, you guys are playing too much. You know, like, if you want to play more, go go take a drive to Joburg or Cape Town, you know, or, or make a venue, you know, make, make a private party somewhere. But stop, uh, stop playing at one venue six times in three months you know or or even more that's it's stupid it's gonna like i don't care if you're metallica like if if you're playing in one region for over a certain amount of times people are not gonna give a shit you know they're gonna be like okay cool well you know they play all the time let's let's do it another time so that's for me that's that's one of the biggest things that killed that that's still a that's still an issue now do you guys not feel that that sort of something just looking at how metal is currently do you guys not feel that that is sort of something that can't really be helped or sort of fixed considering that like for example here in Durban if you're looking at a metal band you're going to be playing at the Winston if it's not at the Winston then you've got the likes of Matt who you know would take a certain venue and then host a show there but it's sort of like there's the lack of venues would you guys say uh, would you guys not say that contributes towards a certain venue being oversaturated? And it's sort of like, well, what can we fucking do at the end of the day? It's our thing. Uh, I think one thing, one one thing that sort of happened, like especially down here in Kazadan, was um, we we had very limited, we we had limited like space to move around. I mean, like um, I don't know, I don't know how. How the, the scene was up there in the Joburg Cape Town, but it was like, oh, we, okay, you can play Winston, you can play Burn. And back when Red Door was still open, it's like, okay, 
and take a take a drive up to Red Door. And that was kind of it. I mean, there was very no, there was not really a, any scope out of it. I mean, I don't, I don't know if how many medalists were like down the south coast or down up the north coast. I know at once. I know there was like a hardcore gig that happened. Excuse me, up at Rich's Bay. That was uh, that apparently like did really really well. But I mean, the just the scope down here in Kazan it was kind of complicated because you unless you were willing to take a drive up to Joburg or you know up to Pretoria, you know the, you didn't have a lot of scope to scope to grow. But people used to make shows, you know. I mean, they they used to have shows in Toti, and yeah, like there there were places in Mshlanga. Uh, they used to have gigs at at the Wave House. Um, yeah, people used to make shows back in the day, but there was more people back then. It, it all boils down to more people, and then as there were less and less people, and the bands started overplaying, you know, restricted venues, then then it just you know went down even quicker. That was the problem because it was going down in terms of uh, you know not as many people were, were coming, but uh, it went down quicker because of the overplaying, and yeah, you know, that's that's the biggest thing I think. I think that mm. like with all the venues that have been closing, like overplaying hasn't really been an issue for the last few years because, like yeah, if you have if you don't have that many venues to play, then you know obviously like this well hypothetically speaking, there's still the same amount of bands that needs to play. So that would give the venues the variety that they need to have different bands, you know, like every weekend or whatever. So I know that that was an issue like a few years ago. Um, and I know most of the bands that I was in, like we were just like, no, we, we wouldn't really play unless it was like a special occasion. Um, and then you get some bands nowadays that only play if it's like an international band that's coming down and they're getting to open for them you know uh, those are the only shows that they play so i think different bands have had to apply different tactics in that regard but yeah i don't think that's really been an issue in cape town over the last few years you no, i think demographically sorry dude like you know cape town has a couple venues within a you know with the general cape region which is still usable to sustain a scene but you wouldn't play um, like only at Mercury, you know, five times in in three months. You know, you'd play, you know, ten k's down the road, and then you'd go to Stellenbosch, and then you'd go somewhere else. So that that that's the difference between, I suppose, Cape Town and us. Before before I pass on to to, to Marcel, I just want to ask you, um, and we could probably even start with 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 Brian. Do you think uh, you know pre-COVID? Um, because times have been a bit difficult. So pre-COVID, do you think, you know, there was enough being done by, you know, everyone who's part of the male community in South Africa, you know, to sort of sustain it and keep it going and perhaps even get it back to to how it was back in the day? Do you think enough uh, was being done? <laughs> I don't think so. Um, and yeah, I don't really know the reason, the cause for it, to be honest, but uh I guess there's, you know, there's not a, there's not enough people out there that are, that are willing to invest their time and energy and go the extra mile for the metal scene in South Africa anymore. That's pers- that's literally my my own opinion, though. I mean, you know, you got like Pat from Middle of Africa and Cape Town. You got Sash 
from Emirates and Joburg and now they you know they they do the 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 summers and all that kind of stuff you know even though it gets a lot of flack for it um at least they're doing something at least they're trying you know and I think that's the thing you know a lot of us like I mean I'm I'm even branded as one of those people I know I can be the biggest troll online you know and I like to take the piss out of things you know for fun for giggles and stuff like that but at the end of the day you know um people people need to do shit to make shit happen and uh whether it's a great you, you can fault it as much as you want but if no one's going to do anything nothing's going to happen and uh you know they those guys that i just mentioned uh, sash and patrick they take a lot of flack you know a lot of people give them shit and stuff like that and i think yeah like it's if there were more people that did that you know uh, if there was a more unified effort you know a lot more could be achieved that's why just like with me as well, like, I mean, I used to, when, when the band stopped, I was very like despondent about everything in the scene and stuff like that. And I was just like the politics and all that kind of stuff. And I was just like, I don't want to be involved anymore, to be honest, you know? And uh, I'm trying to like kind of get involved in certain ways, you know, like um, just anything, you know, in, in, if it's, if it's being a judge for the, the battle for Vakken or, anything of the source where I can help out, you know, just because of, of my influence in the scene over the years, you know, I'll, I'll do, you know, I want to get involved a lot more, you know, but I think a lot of people need to, to get involved. And like the, the thing I was saying, that's the problem. I don't think anyone, not a lot of people have that, that time, you know, or that energy to basically invest into the scene. So I think COVID is not necessarily the only downfall factor. Yeah. Is there anyone who did, with, with Brian in terms of you know when he says that sorry Dan bro like like when Brian says that you know he doesn't reckon you know <laughs> enough was what was being done is anyone who disagrees with that I don't think what Brian is saying is that I like yeah like Pat I mean Pat's been doing this for years now right and like being a promoter in the South African scene it's a thankless thing to do you know like honestly mm-hmm. like they never get enough credit for what they do, but if they make one thing that's seen as a mistake, then everyone fucking jumps right down their throat. And it's, it's really yeah. an thing, but the thing and is... And sound engineers. Yeah. Those uh, <laughs> guys, like, we wouldn't have shows without them, so yeah. Um, but yeah, like, it's, like, there's, there's so many... Well, thanks for highlighting that, because, yeah, like, I can say that it's not just promoters, but, like, it's anyone who wants to put their time and effort into the scene, it's, it's a very thankless thing. And unless you really have that drive and, and like the like passion to, to just do it because you know that that's something that you're passionate about and you're not really doing it for, for any sort of praise or anything, then it's fine. But the least that people could do is start appreciating what those people like put in, in terms of sacrifice. And I think that that's also like a big reason why a lot of promoters just stop doing things is because they don't like that and people are spoiled um you know where it's like they they feel that they have an opinion on something that they didn't have anything to do with they weren't involved with the setting up they weren't involved with organizing anything um but yet they feel that they have a like a massive opinion so yeah like mm-hmm. I'll, I'll agree with Brian. i'll say that yeah like i don't think that there's enough that was being done but with what I just said now, it's not surprising that there weren't that more many people trying to, you know, like get in and, and lift it up. Whatever happened to the, the Thorn Rose guys? Which one? The Thorn Face guys? 
Yeah, the Thorn, the court Thorn Roses, weren't they? Thorn Rose. I don't know who yeah. Thorn Rose is. Well, the guys who did Thorn Thornfest. Oh, that was that was two guys. That was uh, Luke Street and another guy, Brad something. Luke became a game ranger in Kruger National Park, and as far as I know, I think he still lives there and does exactly that. And the Brad, I don't know what ever happened to him. I think he, I don't know, I don't know what. It, yeah, these eggs just disappeared. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. I think I think the thing that crushed him was that whole. Um, were they involved in the the first time where Devil Driver was supposed to come to South Africa? I think they were involved. Not the time because Witch Doctor brought them out, but then there was a time, a couple of years before yeah, that. I remember that. There was talk of them coming coming down, and I think they were involved with that. That was a couple of years before that. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, quite a while. Yeah, and then I think there was a bit of a fuck up, and then that's that. I think that's what crashed them. I don't know if it was financial problems or what, but yeah, I think that was the last straw. I think after that, it just. It's, I don't know the facts. I'm just talk, I'm just talking on hearsay now. <laughs> you know, like talking about the, the like the differences in the scene and stuff like that, and was was enough done in order to like pre-COVID and whatnot. What would you guys like suggest to both bands and supporters in terms of what is one thing you would say to do to bring about a resurgence? House shows. <laughs> Let people play in your backyard. I a hundred percent agree with that because that's something that we have been talking about with sludge for months about trying to, to do things that in people's houses again and just bring that vibe back to it. Cause everyone's complacent. I mean, we're, we're all complaining about the same thing. We don't have enough venues, but it's like, then what are we going to do guys? You know what I mean? It's, it's not like anyone's going to invest 5 million Rand and go buy a venue. So if we're not going to have venues and we can't, get investment for venues, you know, then what are we going to do to pay music? Because surely there's ways, you know, people in townships can play music, you know, on a weekend and stuff like that. Then why, why aren't we doing metal gigs in car parks and, and um, like warehouses and people's backyards and stuff like that. I mean, perhaps you yeah. take them to townships. That would be an idea. Exactly. Yeah. Like Gallows, like uh, just before I le- we played uh, two shows in Vosterus in the township in Vosloos here and the, those were epic I mean the guys there they drawled hard like well, I think caught to like 7 rand or something at the time it was amazing like, I think it was like 14 rand or something but still that's amazing <laughs> but yeah I mean there's different ways I mean if you look back in the day I mean Flip Tweak and Sixteen Sisters used to play in the car parks at Four Ways and you know and we would play in skate parks. I mean, why, why are we not doing gigs at skate parks? Skate, uh, you know, cool, there aren't a lot of skate parks, but I mean, there are one or two still available. You know, I think we need just we need to look at, at other options, you know. I played a gig at a strip jaw once. That's You've never told me this. What? Tell me more, sir. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no. Okay, I'm, I'm lying. It, 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 was, it previously was a strip jaw. But it, it just like it was in the dodgiest part of town, and then like as you turn around the corner, then it was like these bright lights everywhere. Uh, yeah, it was back back when when there were more than one venue. But uh, I think we must bring that back again. Uh, it, geez, was it was like in the ass end of, just what is that road name called now? Uh, I think it's one road down from where Old Burn was, but like 
going towards the Dodge side of town. It was called Jammit Dammit, I think it was. Um, oh, I love that place. Parents, yeah. <laughs> like it's all coming back it... to me now. <laughs> no, no, I'd heard, I'd no. heard of that place. I never went, but I heard about that place. Yeah, I know. I played two horrible shows there once. Uh, well, twice, should I say. Um, yeah, there was like poles, poles on the chair, on the on each table and everything, but it was like, it was, you know, like you expected the owner to come out with one of those like greased down hairdos and, you know, like <laughs> big fake tan and it, oh, it was fucking dodgy. Yeah. But, yeah, but, yeah I, I dig, I dig those fucked up jaws, like where it's just, um, you know, just like you just make a party and, and things like that uh, used to happen back in the day. I mean, there was Mishy Jones was at the baseball park. I mean, we, built a stage like I don't know what you call it the diamond or whatever and you know it would have like mosh pits like on this uh, in the middle of this uh, baseball park it was rad and and that was an ongoing thing Pestroy played there and um, yeah and then just things like that stopped happening eh? that, that's why I started yeah. with the polo I was like you know you know there, there, there is a market for it but uh, I think one of the things that happened was uh, like, like saying, everyone's complaining there's not enough venues, but uh, it, people don't support. But also at the same time, bands need to treat every show like it's their last show, like it needs to be special. And venues yeah. need to treat every show like it's a fucking epic event. Not just like, yeah, he has some bands this week and he has some bands next week. And bands need to treat, treat it the same way. Um, like everything has got to be an epic event, you know, like make a theme of the night or or something it's it's uh it can't just be like oh here's a show and here's a show because there are easy things for us to do you know we've got netflix ah fuck it's easy i can watch whatever the fuck i want whenever i want and there's a lot of this easy shit that's that's uh on our plate now so bands and venues need need to actually make an effort for it because otherwise there's a lot of awesome bands and you know, like they play to twenty people, thirty people, like massive. Well, massive, relatively speaking. Um, and it's it's sad. Eh? It's, it's everyone has to put an effort. Everyone has to put an effort. You know. Yeah, if you if you have a, if you have a resource and you, or you have something to give, you you've got to at least you've got to try. I mean, can't just sit around not like not doing anything and then just sitting there and like oh. Um, Complaining, complaining, point out everything's wrong when you have something to give, when you have knowledge, or you have something that you can contribute to to make something epic. You know, it's, 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 I appreciate the fact that, you know, we, we are pointing out, you know, we be giving out solutions as well, or rather, you guys are giving out solutions in terms of how things can get better. Um, but, you know, there must be something that, you know, is, is, is sort of, coming right or, or, or that is happening that is positive within the metal scene at this point um what would you say in 2020 uh would you guys say are the positive aspects of that i remember since considering this is a second take i remember that some of the guys even brought up the fact that we have more international bands coming over um Matt, you were mentioning there that you got pits at the polo. Uh, Brian, you were talking about, you know, the Samas going on and all that. Um, do you guys feel that there, there, there actually is some positive stuff? And if there is, you know, let us in on that. Like, you're the people that are sort of, uh, that have a, a major impact on all, the positive, uh, on all the positivity that's coming through in the middle scene in 2020. Uh, 
think jam packs are doing really, really well. They're the guys that are bringing international bands and they're bringing good bands too. They, they, so so that, that poll that they did some beginning of the year where they said either one bears who they are and they're dying to come. It's like, how do I choose? I think consistently, um, Duncan and his crew have been pretty consistent over the last couple of years. Yeah. So, so they. So he's definitely a notable guy. But I mean, I mean, just think about what 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 we've got in the last couple of years. I mean, we've sent how many South African bands to to Blacken? I mean, that that shit that like was we wouldn't think was even possible back in the day, you know. And and now we've done what I think it's three times we've sent SA bands there. Oh, four. Four. Oh, there we go. Yeah, it's awesome. one of them. And one, yeah. yeah, you, you won, zombies won at one time. I mean, so that's cool. Yeah, like yeah, I so think in, nuts, man. Like that, a South African band actually won the international thing. Like I think that was next level. So you guys, so you guys would say, you know, that there, there actually is some, some good stuff that's, uh, that's going down. Brian, you reckon there's some good stuff going on? Yeah, I think so. I like, I guess it's just. This year, I don't know. It's it's so hard to say, really. This year, I mean, not much has happened, so it's it's difficult, you know. I I think like I can only talk like subjectively. So like, if I think of like uh, Gallows, like I mean, they managed to secure that record uh, deal from the Vulcan performance last year. So you know, that's quite a positive thing. And they were actually meant to play a few festivals, European festivals, this year, and they would all got cancelled, obviously because of COVID. So that would have been a nice thing for them, you know. Um, same with Wolverdinia. I mean, okay, they had also a lot of lineups, a lot of tours in the mix and stuff like that. They got cancelled. So, you know, and those are two, like, South African bands, basically, that are now basically playing shows internationally, which is great for us and our reputation, I guess. So rather than that, so it's, uh, it's a bit been a bit quiet and abysmal, I guess, this year. Not much to take from it. That like yeah, like I know that I mentioned Volvidinia the last time about like the fact that they've been doing the international thing for the last few years now. And I think that that COVID has definitely given a lot of South African bands a chance to to kind of tap it well, attempt to tap the international market as opposed to the local market because you know, everyone is pretty much in lockdown. They can't play shows, so what's the next best thing that you can do? Use social media, use the internet, and market the shit out of your band. Um, so, like, with that being said, like, yeah, like, there's a lot of bands that are pushing towards that now, um, and it would be cool to see, you know, like, the types of things that come out of that, um, like, probably by the end of the year and maybe early next year. Uh, another thing that's positive that I've seen this year is as much as it's probably like more trial and error because there were like one or two glitches here or there with these types of events is uh, seeing bands like having live stream performances, you know, like um, Truth and Its Burden had that really awesome one um, where it was like proper like production and everything. Like I'm still like, I must actually go and watch it. Like I know you can actually still pay like what's it like pay on demand or something to actually go and watch the set like now i must still go do it because they're one of my favorite bands um but yeah like things like that i know that the previous uh, was it met was it summerfest or winterfest no winterfest was done like purely digitally and as much as there were like some issues uh, i would still call them teething issues because they'd never done it before 
um, which is that 2020 has given us. So, you know, like we can't have live shows, but that is the next best thing. So I think that that's something positive uh, out of 2020 is that, you know, the people that want to actually like promote the scene and, and get things done like that, like are pushing to still do things like that. That's dope, man. But now what I want to bring up guys is that we can start moving towards wrapping up now. And what are some of your, your closing thoughts and some of your fondest memories within the scene? There's too many to mention. <laughs> oh, fondest memories. Oh, man, there's so many to, to mention. Like I just, I think I want to. I think one of my fondest memories ever was when yesterday played at Tempos. Um, when when uh, when 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 we started facing the gallows in 2007, uh, we before we had any songs, we learned uh, three. We we jammed three covers together. Uh, one of them was a Haste Today cover. Um, and uh, when they played, we were all very very big fans of Haste Today. Like one of our favorite songs ever was American Love. And there's a part at the end where basically the whole band does this like kind of like. I keep it a singing thing and they all like come in at different parts and uh, we all were there at the show and we were like together in the middle of the pits like sweating had our shirts off arms around each other like and singing along to that was like one of the most epic moments like ever like to me that was it was a great thing great moments epic moments Yes, that's beautiful, bro. Uh, Byron. Favorites, uh, fondest memories. Oh, there, there, there are a few. There are a few. Um, and I saw, and I watched, um, yeah, I, I would also say it was one of the international bands was when I uh, watched Bring the Horizon we play and, they, and uh, the last wall of death for Antipas, like the, the entire wave, I don't know how many people were there, just like the entire venue just went became this big wall of death and was absolutely insane. Um, in terms of local bands, there are quite a few of those. Um, I remember one of the cool things that we used to have, uh, Danya and Kezidin, was uh, the From, Do- From the Dark festivals. So one year one year we would have it at Red Door, the next year we'd have it at Berlin and so forth and so forth. And that was cool because there was a whole day of just middle bands playing like just like uh like playing throughout the day and I actually got some like really cool bands that we got to see like Warthane and Erebus and like that they were they were, were one of my favorite South African bands was, was like whenever I go watch Erebus play they were, they were always really cool dude yeah they were awesome <laughs> Dan do you want to do you want to pick up from that there bro your fondest memories uh yeah well I think I think I think of two um so one was, it was one of the first shows that I went to. Um, it was called, the show was called Harvest Havoc. And it was at President High School in, was it like Paro or whatever? Anyway, so the stage was this, it was like a, a truck trailer. But it wasn't like, like you get these like truck trailer stages that are almost like, they're like, built in a way that you know they fold out and it's like a proper stage this was literally just a flatbed trailer and they literally just like you know <laughs> fucking 
like the band and stuff. Anyway, so there were a few bands that played. Uh, I think it was the first time that I got to watch My Shade, which was the first band for the one guitarist in Megalodon. And that's how like him and I became friends. Um, and it was also the show that, I don't know if you guys remember a band called New World Inside, but that was essentially the band before Foco Felicicar. And like that, they were essentially a Christian band. And that night, like Francois got really fucking wasted and started going on about fucking Hail Satan and all the shit and whatever. And it was like one of the funniest things, but still it was just like, it was like a crazy experience as like one of the first shows that I went to. Um, so like, yeah, I'll always remember that show. Um, and then I think, yeah, like one of my favorite memories, just to think of anything to do with music in the scene or whatever was, um, when they announced that Megalodon won our round for Varken and that we were going to Germany, like I, I wasn't actually expecting us to win. Um, but like, I don't know, like I, I didn't know why or whatever, but I just, I wasn't expecting us to win. I honestly wasn't. I was prepared for someone else being announced. And when they announced that we were the winners, I remember my vocalist is pretty fucking big dude. Um, and I remember fucking just like, like rugby, like spear tackling the fucking dude, like, and just like fucking hugging the oak. And like, we were just like going fucking to dances and we went and stayed. We're all like freaking out and stuff. Uh, yeah, I think I think yeah, like those two are probably like, and then just like like honorable mention would probably be the first time that we played at Joburg as well, because uh, that was the first time outside of Cape Town. So that was with Betray the Emissary at Tempos, um, and it was a yeah, that was a fucking rad show as well. Everyone in Joburg was so rad, and also some really rad bands. Your name and Neon's probably like one of my all-time favorite local bands that ever existed. Um, I think that's when we first met them and watched them play as well. So, so yeah. Hey, that is solid, man. Uh, Matt, your side uh, to round us off on your fondest memories. Um, shit, man. Uh, oh, just back in the day, I think probably around 2005-ish, maybe 2004. Uh, you know, when when the scene was, I think, really thriving back then. You know, Burn and Winston were were next door to each other. Um, but both, you know, both venues would be, would be packed, packed, packed. I mean, everyone knows how, how small the Winston is. Uh, we, we won this battle of the bands thing that was getting hosted at the Winston. And like it, it was, when I say packed, I mean, there, there was, believe it or not, that the stage was actually smaller back then. They've actually added to that stage. And yeah, so you guys don't even know how small that stage was. I mean, yeah, you know, if, if you had like more, if you if you had more than one guitarist, like you know, he practically had to like play on the floor, you know. And that stage is low as well. Um, like there's a low ceiling, and it's 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 you know it's a little bit more than a step just to get up there, and just people flopping around everywhere, just because there were just so many people. Yeah, so I I really yeah like back then just just overall just shows were just so awesome back then winning that one battle of the bands was awesome i think we, when we played we played a couple of times with 16 stitch and the narrow um those were always really awesome because you know automatically just by default there were like 700 people there which was rad and then yeah i think i think we we did quite well at uh, splashy pen the one year i think we we played the free stage so that was really awesome 
Uh, and then probably the more recent memory, like that, that's been a highlight for me was uh, Witchfest. Um, not not the first big one when Carcass came down. I mean that was cool, but uh, the one with uh, Campbell Corpse and you know the, the the really big one that for me that was the best weekend of my life. Man, it was just like three days of of awesome, you know, awesome bands, awesome international bands, and that that was really cool, man. I, I really missed that. Oof, uh, I wish you could do that again. <laughs> you know, I think I think you guys collectively with the stuff that you have going on, I feel like if you guys had to come together and start something, something like that can be achieved. Like, no lie. So, there's hope. There's hope. When I win the 16 million, I'll make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like all of us feel like that at some point, man. Now, guys, Definitely. it's been such a pleasure having all of you here. Thank you so much for coming together and actually just like having such a cool chat about the scene and everything around it and all your experiences in it like it's just been such a pleasure hearing all of you talk so passionately about the scene that you've been a part of for so long thanks for having us thanks for having us sick man shot like in in closing where can where can people find you guys on on sort of social platforms if they want to listen to the things that you've been a part of or just find out more about you guys as people (laughs) demonparty.org (laughs) <laughs> hey <laughs> just kidding obviously no 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 i don't have any of those sorry <laughs> sorry to let you guys down <laughs> i think i think brian while we while we still on you for social media handles and yeah let the people know what you're up to yeah, you can find me. Uh, so I don't even know where my handles are now. I, I go, I, I've recently gone into Instagram. So, yeah, that's McBrutal. McBrutal. With a double O-T-L. McBrutal. <laughs> that's basically it, yeah. That's basically you can find me talking shit. Is there, is there anything that, you, that you're up to, you know, that, that your, your followers and you want to look forward to before we bow out? For me, personally, no. I'm too busy with life. Yes, yeah. If you want to read a funny post about Man United, follow me. online. What are you up to for your followers? Well, I did mention last time that I be, that uh, actually picked up my guitar for the first time in like six months. So that was really cool. We've uh, got, a jam, uh, uh, got a few covers that uh, I'm going to start doing with a friend of mine. He's, I've, you know, picked a very difficult song to start off with <laughs> as a cover, which is uh, kind of like me. Uh, but if you do, but if you do want to follow me on the socials, I have two Instagram accounts. I have a photography account, which is at BlackbirdBolo on Instagram, and my personal page is uh, at ByronBolo. Sick, sick, bro. Uh, Dane, social media handles and what are you up to? Uh, so, uh, like, I'm just part of the old school, I suppose. So, uh, yeah, like, I only have Facebook and Instagram, but my Instagram is just like Dane.Canterbury. My Facebook, if you look for Dane Vincent Canterbury, then that's me. Um, band wise, I'm a Megalodon's working on new music. Um, Last One Live is working on new music. 
uh, Dream Demon just released a music video about three weeks ago uh, called Fool Me. Uh, it's on the Space on Travel YouTube channel, so you guys can check that out. Um, and then, yeah, like, I mean, pretty much most of the music that I've been a part of is on, like, Spotify and and whatever, like Apple Music and all that stuff through DistroKid. So, yeah, like you can listen to The Broken Results, you can listen to Betray the Emissary, you can listen to Megalodon, you can listen to Last One Alive, and you can listen to Dream Demon all on Spotify. Well, Spotify is my medium of choice. So, yeah. Dude, I just, yeah, I just want to say I'm so stoked about Dream Demon. But we'll, 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 this, say, is a, this is a talk from a, for another time. Yes. <laughs> Very cool. Very cool stuff. Yeah, dude. Well done. Like uh, b- before we move on to Matt, I think I think we it would be an injustice for us not to play out with For Me, considering that it recently dropped, you know, music video and all that. So I think we need to jam out with that there. Uh, Matt's social media handles and what? Are you- yeah, um, I've got nothing too crazy. I've got <laughs> Instagram. I, I don't even know what. I, I think I'm just Matt House on Instagram. I think I don't even know. Um, I think I've done like two posts. <laughs> yeah, and then Matt Ryan House on Facebook. Uh, there is Red Door Productions, uh, which is the thing that me and Jamie that we spoke about earlier, me and him, our little production team that we've got when we did uh, put it the polo. So yeah, there's Red Door Productions. We've got a couple of photos of of the recent things that we've done. Um, yeah, put it the polo two is coming hopefully soon when lockdown ends. And yeah, then there's obviously the not so new band, even though yeah, Thorns of Ivory will get jammy again soon. Yeah, Keen, shot guys, this has been awesome. Yeah, yeah. thank you so much for, for, for joining in. And uh, yeah, in closing, you know, it's at Sledge Underground on Instagram, at Sledge Earthy One on Twitter, at Sledge Underground on Facebook. And if you want to stream and listen to the episodes, be on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud, at Sledge Underground Podcast. Marcel, who are you online? I am Thorns of Sludge on Instagram, Marcel Smuts on Facebook, Marcel Smuts on Twitter, and Marcel Smuts on YouTube. Just follow me. Talk to me, please. Sweet man. So for myself, that's one year one. We're going to be closing up with a Dream Demon um, for me. Please do check out the music video. We'll leave all the links uh, in the description. And yeah, guys, thank you guys so much. Brian, Byron, thank you for organizing this. Uh, this was really sweet. Uh, Matt, thank you for tuning in. Dane, everyone, guys, you all played a huge role and we really appreciate you guys uh, picking us as a platform of choice to do this. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Sure, guys. Cool, thanks, guys. Yes, all right. Yeah.